What's up, everybody? How, how, how's it going? You, you don't have to cheer that loudly for me because you don't even know who I am. Uh, the verdict's still out on whether this is even going to be any good, and I get it. But the thing is, uh, I, I appreciate what Robert was saying because uh, we, we're, we're celebrating something that's super uh, awesome today with, with celebrating all the dads in the room. And so congrats you know, to all of you guys. It's re- and it's really, uh, it's really a celebration of all the dudes in the room in a lot of ways. And so, uh, you know, even if you're not a, not a father, uh, but you're a, you're a guy in particular, we just want to, you know, give you, give you a shout today. Way to go. I wanted to introduce my family to you. Uh, this is my wife, Jen, and my four kids. It's uh, Addison and Tatum and Brody and Piper. Brody was playing drums a little bit earlier today. Yeah. Proud, proud dad moment, um, I, I will say. Um, Third John says that there, there's no greater joy than to see your children walk in the truth. And uh, it's a pretty, pretty humbling experience. It's a cool, cool dad moment. So way to go, Brody. And I think he's a pretty good drummer too. So that, that's an added bonus. But uh, seeing a photo of my family uh, and, and kind of thinking about my girls in particular today, I, I read something recently and I thought I'd share it with you. It's, it's kind of an inside conversations. It's sort of a man-to-man uh, to all the dudes, in, in, you know, in the room. And, and I, I call it a little fatherly advice on dating my daughter. Can I share it with you? Just a little, you know, just a little fatherly advice. And I'm in the throes of this right now because I've got a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 13-year-old daughter. So you know I'm dishing this, this advice out. All right, so here, here, it is, here it is. Number one, gentlemen, you will not at any time touch my daughter. Ever, until after the unlikely event that she decides to marry you, and even then, don't do it in front of me. If you fail in this simple task and cannot keep your hands to yourself, I will, of course, remove them. You will have given your last high five. Number two, the following places are not appropriate places for a date with my daughter. Places where there are beds, sofas, or anything softer than a wooden stool. Places where there is darkness, places where there is dancing, holding hands, or happiness. Places where the ambient temperature is warm enough to induce my daughter to wear shorts, tank tops, or swimwear. Number three, to be abundantly clear, the phrase Netflix and chill means actually sitting down and watching a movie, don't even think about bringing a sleeping bag to my house. Number four, I own surveillance cameras everywhere. I literally have eyes in the back of my head. And then finally five, ask my daughter what her rules are. I haven't raised my little girls to be the kind of women who need their dad to act like some creepy, possessive blowhard in order for them to be treated with respect. You will respect her because if you don't, I guarantee she won't need my help setting you straight. My youngest is a black belt in karate. But it's a really, really cool honor to get to be here with you today. And if you came in late and you're wondering, hey, who's the bald guy that kind of looks like Robert? Uh, you, Robert's in, uh, in Israel, as he said, and uh, he and I actually were in Israel last year together. And I can say that the resemblance is so uncanny that the security guards at the 
at the airport in Tel Aviv were literally doing this with our passports and couldn't, they were giving us the wrong passport. And it, I literally thought they were going to detain us because it was so weird. So, you know, we're, we're kind of in this thing together, but it's, it's super great to be here and to get to share with you guys. And uh, it's, a, it's a big honor that my dear friend Robert would, would give me that opportunity. James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray a blessing on the reading of your word. We pray a blessing upon our hearts that we'd be open to receive what you want to share with us today. I pray that that today we would be molded and, and shaped and encouraged and enriched in this place, changed, because to be in your presence is to change. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn really quick to the person who's sitting next to you, and I say, hey, thanks for coming to church today. Just tell them real quick. Go ahead. Come on, nice and loud. Now I want you to turn to the person on your other side who was your second choice, and I want you to tell them I'm keeping my eye on you. You're a little, you, I'm not sure about you, but I'm keeping my eye on you. Your picture of God has an enormous implication for you. And I want you to think here as we're, as we're beginning, I want you to think of what comes to your mind when you think about God. Picture him in your head. Take a little mental s- screenshot. What's God look like? And I would submit to you that whatever that picture is, we're either moving toward that image or we're moving away from that image. Because you were created, I was created by God, for God. And the reality is we have this like, this this built-in need for God to come and fill a place in our heart. It can only be occupied by him. Now, now we go and we scramble and we try to fill it with other things from time to time. But it was was custom made in heaven to be occupied by him, who he really is. But if we were to go around the room today and kind of put a microphone up to a bunch of different Uh, uh, faces today. I'm not going to do that because I know that's like the worst fear in the world for most of you guys. But if I could just kind of go and like, hey, what's the image? Lots of different things are going to be expressed. There's lots of different imaginations in the place today. Some people uh, immediately sort of their, their, their image of God is some kind of cosmic impersonal force. Think Luke Skywalker. Kind of the universe at work. Okay. Some, some picture a person, they have a face, but that's going to vary a lot a- across the room too. Some think kind of Santa Claus, long beard, all the things, sweet old guy, been around for a long, long time, but not moving as well as he used to, you know. The font on his phone is so big, you could read it from across the room. You know that guy, right? He like can't really do Spotify or Venmo, but he's got candy and gum somewhere and, you know, it, 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 he's kind of doddering. He's kind of, you know, quaint, but he's not relevant. I would never bring the big issues of my life to Santa. There's the cosmic scorekeeper. Maybe that's your picture of God. Just sort of wins and losses, check marks. There's going to be a reckoning at the end of the day. How am I doing? Up, down, how's it going? There's angry God. This is sort of God as the uh, cosmic principle. 
And he's just waiting for you to screw up so he can send you to detention. He's angry all the time. He's ticked. There's what I call Hey Siri God. Hey, the Hey Siri God is the, the God that I only talk to when I need a favor. I say, hey, God, you do this. And I'm expecting response and delivering of the information, of the, of the solution in exactly the way that I put it forward. And then once I'm done, I'm moving on with my life. What's your picture? Because whatever the picture it is that you have of God has enormous implications for you. You're either moving toward him or you're moving away from that picture. So much so that I would, I would tell you that if you have a flawed view of God, you're going to end up having a flawed life. It's that significant. So it's super important that, that we build our life on an accurate picture of who God is. And the, the scriptures tell us that there's never been a better, bolder, clearer picture of, of, of what God is like than in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus does tons of teaching about who God is. He teaches us that God is the creator, that he's a judge, that he's Lord, that he's powerful, that he's the sovereign, lots of things. But Jesus teaches us one thing about God over and above everything else that he teaches about his character. I don't know if you know this. This is pretty cool. 189 times in the four gospels alone, Jesus teaches us this one thing. God is a father. The big idea about God is that he's a dad. When Jesus taught us how to pray, the model for prayer, the Lord, we call it the Lord's Prayer. And pretty much anybody knows it, you at least know the first two words. What is it? Our Father, right? Jesus, over and over and over, he's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, go, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Even on the cross, what were the very last words of Jesus? His final declaration as he's hanging on the cross, paying for our sins. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Your need for a father, my need for a dad, is hardwired. It is built into us at the DNA level. From the, olden, from, from the age, I mean, literally, as soon as you're old enough to start rolling around and you're somewhat sentient to what's happening around you, we want our dad to see us. We want him to pay attention. As soon as they're, look, what do the, what are, what are little kids start saying? Look, dad, Go to any pool this summer. I guarantee what's going to happen. You're going you're to see lots of little kids standing on the edge, and they're going to make a three-inch jump into the pool, and they're going to get out and say, Daddy, did you see it? Right? It's built in. It starts little, and it never leaves. Dad, will you beat my piano recital? Dad, are you come to my game? Dad, are you proud? We crave it. We need the blessing. We need the approval of our earthly fathers. We need them to believe in us. And if you didn't get that, there's a gap. If you didn't get it, I don't care how old you are. 
something's missing. If you do have it, praise God, because that has provided and continues to provide this foundation upon which you're standing, you're stable, you're secure. It's a foundation for wholeness in your life. And for some of you here today, a day like today, a Father's Day, is this great day of joy and fondness because you're celebrating. You're celebrating a loving, present, faithful, godly, influential man in your life. That is so awesome. But for many of you, this day comes with a lot heavier ramifications for you. You see other people going, yay, dad, hey, donuts. And in your heart, you're going, sadness, anger, loss, grief. You know what the gap looks like because you're living the gap. You didn't receive what you needed to receive from your earthly dad. And I want you to know today that God sees you where you are. He sees that need. He knows that need. He actually desires to deliver on that need. You remember what he did for Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry? Jesus is being, is being baptized by John the Baptist. And a dove descends from heaven. And who shows up to the ball game? Dad, this booming voice from heaven. And he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now, the, that's awesome. But what I want you to remember is that at this stage in the game, Jesus hadn't done anything that we worship him for today. He hadn't given a sermon. He hadn't healed anybody. 5,000 people hadn't been, been fed yet. Hadn't raised anyone from the dead. He certainly hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't done anything to be applauded for. In particular, dad just shows up to give a blessing just because he's his son. The father blesses the son just for belonging to the father. That's how God operates. Now, here's the problem. If God's intention is to show us who he is as father, you better believe that the enemy is gonna do everything he can to destroy fatherhood. He will. The enemy knows that if he can demolish our concept of earthly fatherhood, then he can create a stumbling block that many people will never be able to overcome in their approach of their heavenly father. And he's doing a pretty good job of it today. As I begin to prepare for, for this message with you guys, you go out and Google it. See how often the term father or dad is treated and described as a trope, as a diss, as a that's dumb, dad jokes, dad bod, dad's clueless, dad, am I wrong? It's a trope. And if you don't think that's in the agenda of the enemy to destroy fatherhood, you're wrong. That's right. Because, because if, if he, can, he, he can destroy our cultural identity of fatherhood, then he can mess with everybody's approach to the heavenly father. He won't be, you, you can't get there. I, it, it's just the reality. And so we see this fallout everywhere in our world. And there's probably 
scores and scores and scores of different types of faces of fatherhood, but I, I distilled it into six kind of primary categories. Kind of see, see where you fall in this. See how this lands on you. The six faces of fatherhood are this. Number one, the absent dad. You may have had this dad. He's not present in the equation, either by death, maybe divorce. There's some kind of dysfunctional dynamic that's going on, and he's just not interested. He's absent. There's the abusive dad who hurt us emotionally or physically. This father injured our lives. He wounded us. He abused us. There's the performance dad. This is the, this is the guy that makes you earn the blessing. Okay? You do what I want. You perform the way I want. You fall under the favor of the father. But if you don't, I withhold love. I withhold favor. You got to perform. There's the passive father. This one is rampant in our day. It's the father who might be around, but he's a non-factor. He's tepid. He's weak. He has no initiative. He's kind of like gum that's lost its flavor. Okay? Still sticks to your shoe in the parking lot, but it's not what anyone's going for. The passive dad. He's not speaking up. He's not speaking in. He's passive. There's the antagonist dad. Not familiar? He's not really for you. In fact, most of the time, it feels like he's against you. He's always criticizing. He's always chipping away. You're never going to be good enough. You'll never amount to anything, Dad. You'll never measure up. And then there's the sixth faith of fatherhood, which is the champion. The champion, Dad, is not perfect. Nobody is. But this dad was your advocate, your defender, your protector, your supporter. He told you he loved you. He told you he was proud of you, not just for what you did, but just because of who you were. The champion dad was dependable. The champion dad showed up. There was belonging there. There was safety there. He was your champion. Now, something powerful happens for anybody, when they actually realize, they come to the epiphany that I am the apple of my daddy's eye. Something happens. It's powerfully good. Praying for, for my kids every night has been my habit since the day they were born. So every night of the world, even when they were so infant they didn't even know I was there, I go down and I pray for my kids, each one of them by name. I put my hands on them and I pray for them. Hearing me encourage them and bless them and cover them and intercede for them, it matters to them. You know how I know? Because as I said, champion, I, I'm not perfect, not even close. So on the nights when I forget, I know it matters to them because what I hear from their room is, Dad, are you coming down? Dad, are you going to pray? Yeah, oh yeah, Shh, yes, be right there. And I'm coming down. They know that Dad is their champion. 
He's not close to being perfect, but I have him covered. Catch this. I have them covered. So when there's emotional or relational challenges, I got you covered. When it comes to spiritual things in prayer, I got you covered. When it comes time to pay the bill at Cain's Chicken, I got you covered. (laughs) Bad guy comes through the front door, middle of the night, I got you covered. This This is how it works. The champion dad is building solid lives and launching healthy human beings, healthy Jesus-first people into the world to, so- to just soar into their God-given potential. That's the champion dad. Now, I want to be, ca- be clear. The champion dad is no pushover. That's passive dad. Okay? Champion dad, he's present. He's strong. He's paying attention. He actually disciplines in love. He sets clear boundaries. Champion dad shows up sometimes and be like, uh-uh, we're not over there. That, we're not doing that. This is who we are. So you get your hind in from where you are here, up, up, up over in here. Okay? But he loves. Champion dad raises kids who know who they belong to. When they succeed, they can count on the applause of dad. And when they fail, and they will, they know where to run because dad forgives. I tell my kids this all the time. Dad loves and he never stops loving. Let that one sink on you because that's the heart of your father. Dad loves and he never stops loving. Dad will fight for me. Dad has me covered. And this is the face of fatherhood that God always intended for it to be. It's the face of a champion. And it it was God's idea. In fact, it's how God does it. In Psalm 68, verse 4, it says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, exalt him who rides on the clouds. His name is Yahweh. Rejoice before him. Do you see the omnipotence of this God? The strength and the boldness and the power of this God? He's not mailing it in, God. This dude's riding on the clouds, God, okay? But check this out. He goes on. It says, God in his holy dwelling is what? A father to the fatherless and a champion of widows. God in his strength is actually coming into relationship with people who are broken. That's the heart of our our God. But look around. Fatherhood in our day is pretty cracked up. There's not a lot of champions running around. In fact, in a room this size, probably most of you identified with one of the other five faces of fatherhood. You wish you would have had a champion, but that's not what resonates with you. And I can tell you, how I, I mean, my goodness, how many people over the years that I have spoken to who are essentially, they just can't wrap their minds around the idea of a loving father God because their earthly dad was anything but. But the truth is, is that God is not a reflection of your earthly dad. He is the perfection of your earthly dad. Say that again. He's not just a mere reflection of your earthly dad. He's the perfection 
of your earthly dad. He's everything that you've ever wanted in a father and infinitely more. He has, he has a, an idea for you. He has a call for you that will blow your mind. He's got you covered. And so if, you, if you'll take hold of his heart today, it will change absolutely everything because his heart for you changes everything. And so I want to leave you today with four really kind of key truths that I believe your heavenly father and the authority of his word wants you to know about how he operates towards you that will change everything about your life if you'll let it sink in with you. And I already know that in a room like this, lots of you guys in here today, you're desperate for your need for a father And maybe you're grieving that loss, or maybe you've got that pit in your stomach. Maybe you're already kind of reflecting like, you're anything like me sometimes when it starts getting like super personal, you're like, when's the ball guy going to stop talking so that I can leave? Because it's uncomfortable. And I just want you to know that I see you, but way more important than that, God sees you. He sees that need. He wants to minister to that need and to that that deficit in your heart. Here is what God wants you to know. I want you to take in this truth. Number one, I am extravagantly loved by my father. If I could slap some sort of filter over the audience today and and allow like a, a spotlight to come on every single person in the room who doesn't feel loved, you would be shocked how many spotlights there are here in this place up and down the rows. You'd glance to your left and to your right and be like, what, really, that guy? I'm like, he's like so successful. She has a spy letter? I, I follow her on Instagram. She's like, in, she like has sepia tone hamburger pictures on her Instagram. Like she's killing it. The, the, the highlight reel is amazing. But on the inside, I don't feel loved. That's not where I'm at. But the word of God speaks a radically different truth. Here's what the Word of God says, Psalm 108.4. Your love is so extravagant. It reaches higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness, it's astonishing. It stretches to the skies. 1 John 3, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that He has lavished on us. He's just pouring it out. It keeps coming. He has called us and made us His very own beloved children. Beloved, we're God's children right now. You're you're extravagantly loved by your dad. Number two, I am his child and I belong to him. He wants you to know it. Don't leave this place with any doubt about it. You're his kid and you belong to him. I began my my ministry as a youth pastor when I was a 20-year-old kid. And I I started out, I I worked with junior high kids and I, I loved it. I really did. I had so much fun. I mean, they're goofy, stinky, hormonal little sinners, but I'm like, bring it, let's do it, right? I liked other people's kids, but then I had four of my own. I got four of my own little sinners. And something happens to you when a child belongs to you. Your love gets radical in an instant. And now, all of a sudden, no task is too great, no cost is too high, no bully is too big. That's how the Father thinks about you. You belong. You're mine. 
you're his kid. How do I know that? Romans 1.6 says, you are among those who have been called to belong to Jesus. You're, if you've invited Jesus into your heart and life, God has taken hold of you, the Bible says. You're his special possession. You belong to God. It's huge. Number three, I am never alone. I am never alone. Deuteronomy 31 says, the Lord himself will lead you and be with you. He will not fail you. He will not abandon you, so don't lose courage or be afraid. But some of you read that and you go like, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the darkness I've had to walk. If I can't even describe the gap I've been living in. It's horrific. I've experienced such darkness, such brokenness, such sadness, depression. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, but I've sinned. I've really blown it, like so bad. Like there's no, it, literally, if God knew, even though God knows, he's like, it, there's no way he would accept me back. I, I'm so terrible, God never come close to me again. Not only am I alone, I deserve it. And I want you to hear something very important today. In fact, I want you to picture it in your mind like you pictured that, that little image, that image of God earlier in the service. It is this truth. My father is always a half turn away from me. A half turn. Always. You don't even have to turn all the way around when you call on him because he never left. He never left. You're being pursued. Remember that extravagant love? You can't keep extravagant love in a box. It just slops out everywhere. He's chasing you. He's pursuing you. Just the whisper of his name, he's right there. He's a half turn away from you. I could tell from her screams that something was terribly, terribly wrong. It was late October this past year, about 11 p.m. at night. And my wife, Jen, sat on the couch typing away on her, on her new book. The little girls were downstairs. They're kind of already put away and safely in bed for the night. And I had also gone to bed. I hadn't fallen asleep yet because I'm waiting for my 17-year-old daughter who was out uh, driving on the streets of San Diego after a Friday night football game. How many know that will improve your prayer life like really quick? <laughs> so I'm waiting, I'm waiting for her to come home when, when my, my motion-sensing security system alerted me on my phone, like bing, bing. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, she's home. Sweet, I can go to sleep. About three seconds later, my wife began screaming the most guttural screams I've ever heard her scream in the past. She's like, Marka! <sighs> like, I mean, I can't even do it justice. Like, plaintive, the world is coming to an end screaming. It was like, I don't know why I thought this, but I, it was so bad I immediately thought the dog must have just died. We just lost the family pet all of a sudden. I don't know what in the world. And I come Hauling out of bed, I burst through our bedroom door out into the main living room, nothing but a pair of shorts. And I came face to face with a male intruder, about 30 years old, who had come through my unlocked front door 
and is sort of deviously smiling at me. Now, in all this commotion, our youngest daughter, who was 12, had come out of her room and is now coming back up the stairs where this guy is actually standing. And I don't know, it's the strangest thing. It's as though time slowed down. My vision narrowed. I got tunnel vision on this dude in like an instant. And he eyes my wife and he eyes my young daughter walking up the stairs. And I thought to myself, it's either you or me. And it's gonna be you, bro. I didn't think about it. There was no conversation. There was no hesitation. Shorts and all. (laughs) I accelerated. And I hit that guy middle linebacker style right between his sternum and tackled him straight out that open door that he unfortunately left open. I junior sailed that guy on my front porch. Okay. Now... I'm not going to tell you all that I said. I am a Christian, but God's not finished with me yet. But he staggered to his feet, and he staggered up and away out of my driveway. And I'm not sure if he was overcome by the 40 pounds I had on him or if just, just a half-naked, you know, half-naked guy pancaking you in the front is not, you know, that's disconcerting. Um, but as the 9-11 responders kind of apprehended this, he was a wanted felon. I'm standing pacing at my front gate in a loincloth and a baseball bat. <laughs> it's not a good look, okay? Now listen, I, I'll be honest. I know I don't strike an imposing figure. I don't think I'm any braver than any other dad in this room. Uh, honest to God. There are bigger guys. There are stronger guys. There are way meaner guys. But there is no one on the face of planet Earth that is more committed to defending my family than me. If he really wanted my wife and kids, he should have brought more help. When the chips are down and all that's standing between your babies and the bad guy is you, you act. That's a loving dad, a dad that's got you covered. And you need to know something about your heavenly father. He is never more than a half turn away from you. And I'll tell you one thing. When he decides to junior sale your enemy, they stay junior sailed. He, he doesn't know defeat. There's no, that, that word's not in his vocabulary. It's not even an option. You're covered. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our strength, our shelter and our strength. When troubles seem near, God is nearer and he's ready to help. I'm extravagantly loved by my father. I'm his child and I belong to him. I'm never alone. And then here's the last one. My father willingly paid an extraordinary cost. To save me. Save me. Here's the truth. 
The Father loves me just the way that I am. And he loves me too much to let me stay that way. Let that sink in for a second. The Father, God, loves you exactly the way that you are. And he loves you too much to let you stay that way. When that intruder came barging into my living room, threatening my wife and babies, do you think I love my wife and babies exactly the way that they are? Of course I do. I'd do anything for them. I love them exactly the way that they are. The problem was they were in a predicament that only dad could solve in that instant. And I loved them too much to let them stay that way. That is the heart of your God for you. Some of you guys, you, you, you have such a longing in your heart. You've, you've gone reaching for so many other things to try to fill that void. And your father, God's going, no, I love you right where you are. But I love you too much to let that bully come hunt you down anymore. To let that addiction dominate your life anymore. To allow that sin to, to, to control you and to, and to define your eternity anymore. That's enough. And when life, when life kind of knocks your door down, you don't need a cute little catchphrase. You don't need an Instagram meme. You don't need a nifty prayer. You need one name. You need the name of Jesus. The Word of God says there's only one name under heaven by which we might be saved. In the name of Jesus Christ. Just the whisper of his name is all it needs. You are extravagantly loved by your father. You are covered. You are a kid. You belong to him. And you're never alone. And dad willingly paid an extraordinary price to save you. Would you bow your heads with me?